And Jesus uh, said this, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. You know, as we read and we considered even last week, as we began this story and the interaction between Jesus and this rich man, we understand that the rich man did not see that his riches were hindering him from the kingdom of God. In fact, the rich man thought that he was right with God. Why? Because he, he thought he had kept a, a few of God's laws and thought that that would be enough to get him into heaven. The rich man thought perhaps that Jesus would affirm him and confirm that he was good with God. As he asked the good teacher, as that's what he referred to him as, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, after all, Jesus does desire to win friends and influence people, doesn't he? No, that's not what his intention is. He actually desires that no one perish. But rather all reach repentance. See, we all at some point, and, and I again go back to the, the moment that I surrendered my life to Christ. And then the moment that I recommitted my life to Christ. Because for me, apparently when I surrendered my life to Christ and, and then I turned my back on him, I, I needed to have a moment to where I can look back to it and know at this very moment, I, I'm recommitting my life to the Lord. You see, I was, I was confronted. You ever, been, you ever have a pleasant confrontation? I, I haven't. I've never experienced a pleasant confrontation. Because I remember the, the first time when I surrendered my life to Christ, that I understood at that point, I, I was beginning to see how it was that I was in desperate need of a Savior. And there's only one Savior, Jesus Christ. And it was when I was explained the offer of grace in Christ Jesus that I realized I had to confess my sin to the Lord. I had to ask Him for forgiveness. I had to repent, turn from those things. And I gladly did it. I remember some years later, as I allowed myself to drift away from the Lord. And I remember I was making a mess of my life. I was doing a great job too. And I remember fighting over and over and over again. P people making every effort, praying for me. I learned later that it was, there was a, a bunch of people who were praying for me. And <clears throat> there was a moment to where I went and listened to Steve Wilburn on a day seven at harvest. And it was in that moment that I surrendered my life, recommitted my life to the Lord. My sin was confronted. I, I knew that in that moment, my sin was being confronted. That it was an offense to God. And I myself 
had turned my back from him. I had not received his grace. I, I, have reject, I had rejected it. Up to that point, I was loving my sin, and yet I was dying in my sin. I was dead in my sin. Listen, God desires that no one should perish, but that every single person reach repentance. It's not an easy life. It's not something without trials and tribulations. He didn't promise that. What he desires is that each and every one of us reach a moment to where we completely surrender our lives to him and repent of our sins, turn from our sins, and turn to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, this man thought that perhaps he could be affirmed in his religion. Jesus wasn't about to do that. He thought perhaps he could be affirmed in his thoughts, like many people do. And Jesus wasn't about to do that either. Because if he did that, then we know that Jesus wouldn't be without sin. As he knew this man was not saved because he loved his riches more than he desired salvation. And he would have affirmed something that wasn't true. And so Jesus loved him enough to tell him what was hindering him from knowing salvation. We do no person justice when we tiptoe around what is true. Hey, listen, your sin is keeping you from knowing salvation. Your, your love of possessions or this world or riches can keep you from eternal life. Well, Jesus loved this man and told him what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. He said, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me, according to verse 21. He knew the one thing. He knew that this man loved his possessions above all else. He's willing to give all of that up and go follow Jesus, then he would know salvation. And he would have, as Jesus promised him, treasure in heaven. Listen, what great possessions do you have that could be hindering you from eternal life? What are you not willing to give up, forsake, put away, for the sake of knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord? D.L. Moody said this, quote, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Close quote. Too many people are succeeding at things that really don't matter and putting them in the place of knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because this man had great possessions. I'm sure his riches we would look at and many people would covet. But he did not have the greatest possession. And with this, again, Jesus has the opportunity to explain to his disciples a principle that is important to know regarding the kingdom of God and to know what it means all things are possible with God. What God desires is that we possess eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, with man it is impossible, but with God, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So, 
some of these verses I, I broke down for us. Uh, the first section is just a statement that is made. And that is that it is not easy. To begin with, not easy. So if you're looking for easy, um, it's not as far as salvation is concerned. Is it simple? Is it God's gift? Yes. But we need to understand this very clearly here. This is why it's important. If it was important enough for Jesus to pull his disciples aside and address this issue, then certainly it's important enough for us to understand as well. For he is addressing us regarding this matter. Not easy. Verse 23 again, it says, And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. As the rich young man walked away, disheartened and sorrowful because he had great possessions and he wasn't willing to part from them to know salvation, Jesus is described as initially looking around and then addressing his disciples. I wonder what he was looking around at. It's here for a reason. The the detail of this moment for us to perhaps consider. You see, this man had initially ran up to Jesus. He knelt before him and addressed Jesus as the good teacher. But none of that mattered. Because he wasn't willing to forsake all to follow Jesus and to know him as Savior. You see, flattery flattery does not work with God. Only a sincere heart does. The saved will follow, and those who genuinely follow are ones that are saved. In Mark chapter 8, in verse 34, it says, In calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul for what can a man give in return for his soul for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Our sin confronted, our pride confronted, our idolatry confronted. You know, we don't know what he looked around at, but perhaps he looked around seeing things that would keep most people from inheriting eternal life. From knowing Jesus as Savior and following Him. 
I wonder what Jesus would look at today. Is there anything in your life you're not willing to forsake to know salvation or to know a closer, consistent, ongoing relationship with him? D.L. Moody said this, quote, I firmly believe that the moment our hearts are emptied of selfishness and ambition and self-seeking and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will come and fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit, ambition and self-seeking, pleasure and the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. I also believe that many a man is praying to God to fill him when he is full already with something else. Before we pray that God would fill us, I believe we ought to pray that he would empty us. There must be an emptying before there can be a filling. And when the heart is turned upside down and everything that is contrary to God is turned out, then the Spirit will come. Close quote. Well, as Jesus looked around, he did address the disciples. He addressed the issue, stated what is true, and taught his disciples that what is impossible with man is possible with God. But first of all, he starts out by saying that it is difficult for the wealthy to be saved. Just a stated fact. He says how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For anybody who is wealthy and does not know the Lord, this is, this is a big challenge. It is a big challenge. Often we look at people who are rich, very wealthy, and think, boy, are they, what? Blessed. Wow. Impressed, amazed, right? He who dies with the most toys still dies. <laughs> now, there's a saying that the world says, right? He who, who dies with the most toys wins, right? It's like, no, I'm still a loser. Big houses, expensive cars, vacations, pleasure, all of that. We, we look at that and, and we do catch ourselves saying that. How, how blessed. Is that what the Lord is saying? speak plainly here, right? Is that what the Lord is saying? No, he's not. He said, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Point one. The other day, Bettina and I were driving through town and there was this big, beautiful house nestled into the hillside. Beautiful, big house. And, and it caught my attention. I pointed it out to Bettina. Just looked at it. But you know what? It doesn't mean what it once did. I remember before coming to Christ, um, I, I would look at houses like that. I would look at cars. And although I admire and I, and I, and I enjoy the beauty of uh, beautiful cars and houses and, and all that, it's just not, it doesn't hold the same place in my heart. But it got my attention. 
Have you ever driven down the PCH? Seen a Rolls Royce, a, a Bentley. How about a Lambo? Ferrari. Look up on the hill as you're driving down the PCH and you see those beautiful houses nestled into the hillside. You know, with a glass partition so that it doesn't obstruct the view of the, of the ocean. Beautiful, panoramic view of sunsets along our Pacific coast. Oh, we long for that, right? Wow, if I only had that house. And Jesus simply says, hey, listen, whoever is rich is going to have a difficult time entering into the kingdom of God. Whoever owns those cars and those homes, they're going to find it difficult to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this, for the Lord sees, not as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Where's the heart of man? What do we desire? Just with the simple statement, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, the disciples in that moment, with that statement, they were amazed. They were startled. They were confounded. They were astounded. Why? For the same reasons we would be or some are at this very moment. Disbelief. No way. Are they any different than anyone else? Yeah, they're different. They have more. More to forsake. More to give away. More to deal with to where their hearts perhaps are given to and, and inclined toward those things, whatever they may be. I thought it was a picture of God's favor or blessing. God's confirmation of his pleasure with people. No, none is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The heart of man is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? Listen, Jesus simply stated what is true. With this statement, they were amazed. And then Jesus said something progressively more astonishing. As if that were shocking enough. There's something more. So he goes on because the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children. Children, little ones. Remember, he's referring to his disciples. They were adults. They were men. And yet, children in their understanding of what he is communicating to them. The truth of what he just told them. And he said, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. How difficult it is for anyone to be saved. That's right. It is difficult for anyone who trusts in any riches, anything that you deem more valuable than salvation. That you are not willing to repent of. Listen, normally a wealthy person has acquired wealth because he or she is a doer. A person who is diligent in their work and keeps going when most people will stop, quit, or take a path of least resistance. 
A person who has gained wealth is normally disciplined, thinks differently, and has more likely chosen to forsake many things to gain what they have. They are more than likely hard workers. And perhaps this is why this rich man asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I'm willing to do it. I'm a doer. I'm a go-getter. You name it and I'll do it. All right, go sell everything. Give to the poor and then come follow me. Hmm. He went away sorrowful and disheartened because he worked so hard for all of that. And the Lord was saying, give it all up and then come follow me. It's a test. It's one of those things. It's a test. Who do you love more? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. No one can boast in their salvation. We are saved by grace through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And for us, what we need to do is simply believe, receive. It's a free gift from God. Well, as if that wasn't shocking enough. So it's progressively getting to the point to where it's like, okay, like, who can be saved, right? And that's really where it ends up. Because thirdly, he says, it's easier to thread a needle with a camel. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. First of all, have you ever threaded a needle? So not all needles are made the same. There are some needles that they're, they're bigger. I, I, I don't know about needles, but I do know. I remember my, my grandmother, my mom also. And they would give me a needle, especially my grandmother, because, you know, as we get older, we need these. Most of us do. And so I, I remember, you know, as a kid, threading some needles. And then I remember the first time that she gave me, you know, the small needles? A, like a smaller needle. She said, oh, mijo, uh, thread this, this one right here. So I was like, wow, that, that was taking me a while to thread. Can you imagine? At this moment, Jesus is telling the disciples, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. If you miss the first statement, if you miss the second one, let me, let me make it abundantly clear to you. It's very difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. To know eternal life. Just in case anyone was thinking, difficult but possible. Jesus makes a statement to help them understand it is not possible to inherit. Basically, it's not possible to inherit eternal life through effort or any other human means. Period. Because you won't get a camel through the eye of a needle. You won't do it. And you won't get yourself into heaven either. Salvation is simple, but not easy. Man doesn't easily give anything up to possess something else. And unfortunately, even salvation. 
Well, at this, the disciples were, they were astonished. They were, they were confounded. And they responded. Verse 26 says, And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. At this point, like the disciples, if you can just imagine their thinking. I mean, they're sitting under the teaching of Jesus Christ. And they're watching him teach, proclaim the gospel, call people to repentance, performing all these miracles. And at this point, he makes these these, these, uh, statements of truth, basically saying, it's impossible to be saved in earthly terms, and it's impossible for man to save himself. So the disciples were about to, you say, lose their minds. They could not believe what they were hearing. They were unsettled. They were confused at this point. And they asked the question, who can then be saved? Who can be saved? But notice that Jesus did not explain who then can be saved. He didn't explain to them that. But rather, it was important for them to know that with man, it is impossible. So don't rely on man. Don't rely on anything earthly. He said, but with God, all things are possible. Remember all the miracles Jesus had already performed to prove that he was the son of God? All those things were impossible with man, but possible with God and for God. He performed them. You think about the lives of Noah, Nehemiah, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Esther, Gideon, David, and the list goes on. You begin to remember that all things are truly possible with God. It's to prove that he has the power to save you. And that he is the only one that can save you. That has the power to save you. You see, God's grace is sufficient. He makes all things possible. And he has made it possible for any and all to know salvation by his grace. But it requires a person to yield their entire life to Jesus. To trust him for salvation and therefore to possess, to give him lordship of our lives. To prove that we truly belong to him. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Uh, Jake quoted that 
verse. And we know that the moment we surrender all to Christ, there's absolute freedom. There's liberty. We are no longer bound by anything or anyone. But we're free in Christ, free from sin and death. And we are free to live lives that are glorifying to the Lord. That should be our desire. With what we just read, we understand that our love for Jesus should far exceed any love that we have for anyone here on earth. And we are not to allow anything or anyone else to hinder us from expressing our love to Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus had made it abundantly clear how to know what is impossible with man through God. He has been very clear as to what can hinder a person from entering the kingdom of God and has also made it abundantly clear how a person can enter the kingdom of God. Listen, although a child has nothing, he has everything because he can express a faith that is willing to forsake all. Whereas an adult seemingly independent can earn all they need and yet end up being dependent for their satisfaction and contentment on those things that they have accumulated, both riches and material goods. Listen, both actually are dependent. One dependent on others for the sake of life and the other dependent in self for the sake of possessions and pleasure and comforts, being fooled into thinking that perhaps that is life and it is not. And again, what Jesus wanted to make abundantly clear here is what is impossible with man is possible with God. Not easy, all possible with God. And lastly, nothing is lost. Verse 28. So Peter spoke up. And Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many, many who are first will be last and the last first. And, and so finally at this moment, Peter, he understood and he expressed an understanding and an acceptance of what Jesus was saying to them. Remember, they were astonished. They were amazed. They were perplexed. They were confounded. They were astounded. But it was in this moment that Peter understood. And he communicated that. He said, we have left all to follow you. And he was right. When Jesus told them, come, follow me, they did indeed drop everything to follow Jesus at that very moment. Everything. Sometimes we're not willing to change schedules or make sacrifices in order to simply serve the Lord in fellowship let alone, you know, dropping everything. Are, are you willing, like, what if Jesus were to require of us 
today. Leave this. You name it, whatever it is. Leave it. Come, come follow me. Would you have lost anything? No, you would have gained everything. Listen, what Jesus had promised the rich man is the same thing he promises everyone, including the apostles, and that is treasure in heaven. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These are, as we go through these verses, they're, they're difficult. Where, where's your treasure being laid up? It, it's, it's convicting. Like, what do we value above all else? James 1.12 says, Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And if you follow what follows this, as far as this story is concerned, I know that we're in Mark, but in Matthew chapter 20, and we won't go there, but you can make a note and you can follow that up. There's a story of the laborers in the vineyard. And what happened was that they needed laborers in the vineyard. And so the master of the vineyard sent, um, you could say, his, uh, his supervisor or uh, the, the guy that was in charge of labor to, to go out into town and start getting some laborers. And, you know, he went at midday and he went later on in the afternoon. And finally, the, an hour left to work and he found some more laborers who were doing nothing and brought them in. They all agreed on a set wage to earn. And once the day was over, they paid the laborers. They started with those who were picked up last to come and, and work in the vineyard. Paid them the same as they did everyone else who had worked all day. What's the deal? <laughs> we work so much more. Hey, listen. You agreed. This was, this was the wage. God has the prerogative and he has the authority to pay what he wills. Listen, and that is good for all of us. Reason being, the last will be first, meaning the last, the people who have come to the Lord last before the trumpet blows, the archangel uh, cries out and announces the rapture, and we get snatched up. All of us get to experience glory. Treasures in heaven. We will receive, and we will be in God's glory. Verse 21, and I take you back to this as we are coming to a close. You see, we've got to be reminded of the fact that Jesus 
loved this man. He loved the rich man that had come to him. He looked at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Those things that he would have done would would have been far more valuable than anything that he could have maintained here on earth. You see, what is seemingly lost or given up to follow Jesus pales in comparison to what is gained. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, these are, these are things that, that our Lord taught. Such is the kingdom of God. It, the kingdom of heaven is like the, the value of, of, under, of coming to the place of understanding, oh, this is how, this is how I inherit eternal life. Oh, I'm willing to forsake it all. I'll I'll sell it all in order to gain eternal life. Forgiveness of my sins. The kingdom of God. Because in reality, no one who has gained Christ has lost anything. But they have gained everything. Eternal life. The kingdom of God. D.L. Moody said this, quote, We can stand affliction better than we can prosperity, for in prosperity we forget God. May we not forget God. May we in that moment, listen, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And that's the whole point. That's what Jesus wanted to make sure the disciples knew. Hey, listen, you need to help people understand If they're trying to, by their own effort, know eternal life, enter into the kingdom of God, let them know they won't do it. They can't do it. It's impossible. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for them to enter into the kingdom of God. Make sure they know that. Make sure you know that. With man, it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. Listen, have you forgotten God? Are you willing to forsake all for the sake of knowing salvation in Christ? Yes, it is easier to thread a camel than for someone who trusts in riches to enter the kingdom of God. But with God, all things are possible, and he desires that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And he tells us how. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And then he reminds us through scripture, Romans 3.10. None is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, for God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We know as has 
had been quoted earlier, and that's Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What do we do? We confess. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you willing to forsake all to know eternal life in Jesus Christ? Are you willing to do that? I don't know what's going to be required of you to prove that. That there would be fruit in your life. But I pray that we would all be willing to do that. That nothing compares to the treasure that awaits us in heaven if we but surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. And today be the day of salvation or maybe a recommitment. As I explained to you, there is unfortunately a moment when I had to recommit my life to Christ. I said other things before him. I was in full sin. And I understood I had to re- recommit my life to the Lord. I had to confess that to the Lord. Perhaps that's you. Listen, he doesn't desire that uh, to convict you. He doesn't desire to see you condemned to hell forever. In fact, he made a way, and we just went through it. I pray that we would be drawn to the salvation known through Christ, that his kindness, his compassion, his grace would draw us, and we would respond by simply surrendering our lives, confessing, repenting of our sins. Heavenly Father, we thank you for putting it plainly. Lord, it is not difficult to understand. And yet, Lord, perhaps we have heard before that it was much easier. It didn't require much. Lord, it requires everything. Lord, you have called us, Lord, to surrender our, our whole lives to you. And yet, Lord, you desire above that we, we know salvation. But secondly, Lord, as we do give our lives to you, John 10.10 10 tells us that you have come to give life and that more abundantly. That we would have that peace that surpasses all understanding. We would have a hope that can be never be touched by anything or anyone and no one can snatch us out of your hand. Lord, we in Christ can live lives of gratitude knowing that our future and our hope lies in Jesus Christ with great certainty, with great confidence because you are faithful. And so I ask, Lord, that Lord, as you spoke to us this morning, through your word, that we would respond accordingly, whatever that may be. I pray it would be genuine, sincere, Lord. Knowing that you love us, in Jesus' name we pray.